Welcome to At the Crossroads Church weekly podcast. Our hope is that you will grow in your walk with God and be blessed and encouraged in your daily lives as you listen. You can visit us at our website at atthecrossroads.ca. Why don't we stand up for a moment? We'll just say a little prayer and dig into the scripture together. Father, we thank you for our time together this morning. Lord, we thank you that your word brings transformation and change in our lives. We ask that you'd speak to us, challenge us, and shape us today by your word. And all God's people said, amen. amen. Today I want to talk about reaching on purpose. Last, last week we talked about reaching on purpose. This is kind of the second part of that message. Um, and we've been on this series of purpose. Uh, Sandra, a few weeks back, spoke on living on purpose, and I've been preaching about working on purpose. And today I'm talking about reaching on purpose. And so during the season, we recognize, uh, focus on the fact that God reached out on purpose. So when God reached out, he reached out through his son, Jesus Christ, 2,000 years ago. A little baby was born in a manger, as we know, right? But he was reaching out on purpose. Why? To save his people from their sin, right? So, so God was reaching out through Jesus to save people from their sins and to set up his kingdom on the earth. So his purpose, say his purpose was to love and save us. Let's try that again. His purpose was to love and save us. Right? Like he, the Bible says, for God so loved the world, right, that he sent his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. And we understand that sin, the soul that sins shall die, and that's a spiritual principle. And God says, I'm, I want to take their place. And so we're going to start this morning in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2. I'm re- actually reading out of the Passion Translation. I love the way it's written here. It says the same thing, but a little differently. It says, we look away from the natural realm, and we focus our attention and expectation unto Jesus, okay, who birthed faith within us, who leads us forward into faith's perfection, okay? So we need to learn to and train ourselves to look away from the natural realm and look unto Jesus. We have to focus on Jesus. How many know it's easy to look at what's happening in the natural, good or bad, right? But we're being, we're being challenged to be spiritual people and to look at Jesus. Now, Jesus is seated at the right hand of the Father. So why do we look? Because he's the author and he's the finisher of our faith. So what he started in us is faith walk. He's the one who will bring it to completion. And so we can't focus on everything around us. We have to focus on Jesus. And this will be the challenge for us in in these days is to learn to focus our faith on who Jesus is. And I love what it says here. It says, his example is this, it's continuing in the scripture. Because his heart was focused on the joy of knowing that you would be his, he endured the agony of the cross and conquered its humiliation. And so God, because Jesus was focused on the fact that you would be his. Hanging on the cross, realizing, you know, I'm going through this suffering and this pain. I could get off this cross. I could call for angels to deliver me. But I really, really love Joan Jones, and she's going to live in the year 2000s. You know, I'm not going to say your birthday because I don't know it. But she's going to be born on this date. And, and, you know, Mark and Neil and Camilla. And, you know, I love these people. And they're going to be mine. This is the price I'm paying so that I can save them from their sins so I can have eternal life with them. 
And this is what holds Jesus through the humiliation, through the pain, physical pain, through the spiritual pain. It wasn't that, oh, I get to be seated at the right hand of God and have authority. No, it was that he would be able to have a relationship with us. That is the heart of God. Isn't that exciting? And, and um, this is the thing. The Bible says all have sinned, all have fallen short of the glory of God. And sin is a spiritual cancer that destroys us from within. It separates us from God. And for the last 20 years plus, popular culture has, has, has pushed this concept that there's no absolute truth. And uh, this concept of right and wrong is irrelevant because your truth might be different from my truth. How many know what I'm talking about? And so, you know, there's no absolute truth. And as believers, we believe that God has given us his word and he's, he's given us truth and he's given us the Ten Commandments. And culture today says, well, we don't, we don't know if we agree with that. And so we've got to a place now where people can't discern between good and evil. They can't discern the wolves among the sheep. Right? And uh, corrupt, there's corruption now that has crept into the churches. It's crept into the schoolhouses. It's crept into the courthouses and the White House and the House of Commons. Right? There's corruption that has come in because people have abandoned and they've rejected the truth of God and moral truth. And I want to talk to you today because I think that sometimes we don't talk about the elephant in the room. And, and we don't want to just have itchy ears. We just want things that make us feel good. We have to look at what's happening in society so we can know how to combat it. How many hear what I'm saying? And so before the election, we go back, there was a bill called Bill C-6. And many of you know we've talked about it. And it was dropped just before the recent election. When you call it an election, you have to table everything that's being held up. But then it was reintroduced as Bill C-4. It slipped the, uh, the committee stage, and there wasn't any discussion, and they just rushed it through. And it's, it's the conversion therapy bill. And we understand, even as Christians, that traditional conversion therapy um, should, shouldn't be allowed. It's the way they were doing it with drugs and with certain therapy practices, it wasn't right. But now they've amended this bill, so... so uh, so what's happening now is even as a parent, you're not allowed to have an opinion about sexual orientation. You're not allowed to tell your kids or direct your kids. In fact, the, the, the schoolhouse and the government will have their say, but the parents don't have a say. Well, my Bible says parents need to raise their children in the way that they should go, not the government. Parents. And so this is a violation of truth. All right? And the problem here, okay, is depending on how the courts interpret this new legislation, the law could lead pastors, parents, and even peers that are only having conversation regarding sexuality, okay, can actually be fined and put in prison for up to five years for having a different opinion than the politics. That's where we're at. And you don't see it in the mainstream media, but it's happening. I just got a, a phone call the other day with hundreds of pastors and a politician who was sharing very openly how he was talking with the other MPs and saying, why did you go along with it? And they said over and over again, well, we, we fear our own party rather than, more than we fear the church. Isn't that awful? And uh, 
These are times we're in. Why do I share that? Because not because I'm fearful, because, you know, God's going to work with us. And the Bible says, you know, where the enemy comes in like a flood, God raises a standard. And, and you know, we're, we're excited about the times we're in. God appointed us to be here. But at the end of the day, this Bible, give it a few years, might be considered a banned book because it has opinions that oppose what popular culture says. So we need to be aware of that. Amen. And that's what's happening. Sin is creeping in. And we could look at all these different areas. Uh, but Jesus set this example. He said, his heart was focused on the joy of knowing that you would be his. Isn't that awesome? Okay, uh, let me, uh, how do I explain this? Okay, the best way I can explain this, this concept, because God opened my eyes one day. My wife's a hairdresser. She got a phone call uh, from a girl who was in her, I think, late 30s, early 40s. She had little kids, and she has cancer, and her hair is falling out. She says, Camilla, would you come and cut my hair, shave it for me? So Camilla said yes, and she said, my, my folks are here, my father's here, my kids are here, and, uh, you know, they're gathered together. So she said, okay, my husband will come just for support. So I came, and uh, so she starts shaving her head, and this woman starts to weep. She begins to cry. And what amazed me was the father came up, and he, he embraced her, and he was weeping with her. He said, I do anything to switch spots with you. If only I could be the one in the chair getting my hair shaved, I would do anything. I wish it was me. And he was weeping. You could see his heart. He was like, if only I could be the one in the chair, I would switch spots with you right away. And as you know, he couldn't. But this is a picture of Jesus. Like, I get to take their place. I'd do anything to, because they're going to be separated from God for eternity. I'll do anything. I'll suffer. It's worth it. You see the picture? Good news is she's recovered and she's doing well. Amen? <laughs> Prayer and chemo and she's doing well now. But, but, but you see, I saw the heart of God in that moment. And that's the heart of our Lord. Okay? So that's why it's as simple as calling on the name of the Lord and you shall be saved. Because he's already, we can appropriate that which he's already accomplished for us. We don't have to work it up. We just put our faith in Christ. I accept the fact that you died in my place. And he willingly gives of himself. Now, Jesus set this example. His heart was focused on the joy of knowing that you would be his. And the question I have for you is, can we follow his example? Can we follow the example of Jesus? The way we endure our crosses, the way we endure our humiliation of not conforming to the world is making sure that our hearts are focused on the joy that He is ours. Amen? It's not about what you do for God or how many times you go to church or how great your life is or even how much you know. It's how much do you value Him? Is your heart, are you sitting there going, God, I'm so thankful this morning that uh, you are mine and I am yours and I have a relationship with the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit and I get to spend eternity with you because I'm going to tell you something. When persecution comes and humiliation comes and when you have to go through the trials of life, it's the only thing that will get you through is your passion for relationship with God. Nothing else will take you through the hard times. And how many know we all carry our crosses? Every one of us have gone through tough times and situations where we're struggling. And it's not enough to say, you know, I'm just going to do this because I want to be a good Christian. You have to say like Jesus, I do this for the joy that I know my Father in heaven. Amen? The key is not how much you know, but rather do you value who you know? And that's why there's people there that, 
have eight years of theological training and they know their Bible inside and out, they can tell you what Peter the Apostle's mother ate for breakfast on Tuesday. On Tuesday, I mean, they just know everything. How many met anyone like that? They just know everything, but the slightest temptation comes and they fall away. Why? Because they don't value who they know. And that's what God is working in His people today. In uh, Matthew chapter 24, verse 12, you know, Jesus is talking about the end days. And he said, there will be such an increase of sin, of lawlessness, that those whose hearts once burned with passion for God and others will grow cold. I don't know about you, but I don't want to be part of that group. My heart is going to burn with passion for God. I'm not going to allow my heart to get cold, right? That's why it's good. The Bible says, you know, not to forsake the gathering of yourselves together as some have especially as the evil day approaches. You know, Chris and Allison always do this with the youth when they're camping, and they take a coal out of the fire, and they sit it alone, and they say, watch what happens, and the coal goes out. It just go, turns from red to just black, and then he puts it back in the fire, and it lights up again. When we're together, we, we fire each other up. We bring the heat together. We work. You can't be by yourself in these days. We need to gather together. Amen? So the fire of God can burn. All right? If we belong to God, He has a purpose for each of us. Love God and His truth and refuse to conform to the patterns of the world because there's going to be a lot of pressure in the years to come to conform. And I'm not trying to, you know, give you a negative message, but we see it happening. You need to conform to this way of thinking. If not, you know, you're not going to fit in. Listen, not all laws are lawful. And I saw this... uh, this is a really my favorite bill right now. It's got um, Viola Desmond on it. You see this? She was the first woman with no royal blood to ever be on a dollar bill. Isn't that awesome? And um, very interesting story. And if you haven't studied it, you can study it. You can go to Wikipedia and get her story there. It's right there. In 1946, she challenged racial seg- segregation at a cinema in Nova Scotia by refusing to leave a whites-only area of the Roseland Theater. She refused to leave the area. And so, basically, the balcony seats cost 30 cents to buy a ticket, and the main area, the main floor area, was 40 cents. So she went, she goes, I really want to sit on the main area, and the ticket booth person said, no, we'll only sell you a ticket for the upper area. So I'm willing to pay 40 cents. No, no, you can only pay 30 cents. This is your ticket. And so she said, I really want to sit there. No, no, you, you will only take 30 cents. Here's your change. Go sit in the balcony. Well, she said, no, I'm going to sit in the best seats in the house. And she went in there, and she sat down in a whites-only area. The cops came in and arrested her, brought her to prison. She stayed there for the night. And she was charged with tax evasion. She stole two cents from the province. Tax evasion, two cents, was the difference of tax between 30 cents and 40 cents. Now, now here's the picture, okay? Her church leadership encouraged her to fight the conviction. Her husband and all of her friends said, no, no, don't, don't do that. You know, you're going to stir up strife. You don't want to stir up strife. You don't want to do that. No, don't fight it. Don't fight it. Don't fight it. And her pastor and her leadership said, no, let's take it to court. Let's fight it. She did. She lost. In 2010, 64 years after Desmond, 
you know, 64 years after the event, she's obviously dead. She was granted a pardon, the first in Canadian history. All right. And they said she was a woman of courage and they put her on the $10 bill. So how many know we as Christians, if we stand up for the truth, no matter what everything else in the world, how many knows, like, I don't know about you, but I'd like to be on a $10 bill in 50 years. How many want to be on a $10 bill? Maybe, maybe you're really, you're a go-getter. Joan, we're going to put you on the fifth, we'll put you on the $50 bill. $50. A $100, $100 bill, right? But she was an enemy of the state. She was, she was a criminal all the way up until 2010 when the lights went on and said, hey, that was racism. No one recognized it as racism. Uh, you know, some people did, obviously. The, the blacks did. But, uh, you know, no, no, no. She's, she's a criminal. But her pastor said about her 15 years later, Pastor William Oliver said, this act that she did meant something to our people. Look what, look what he says. Neither before or since has there been such an aggressive effort to obtain our rights. The people arose as one and with one voice, and this positive stance enhanced the prestige of the Negro community throughout the whole province. And it is my conviction that much of the positive action that has, uh, has since taken place stemmed from this. So she started a movement just by saying, I'm sitting my butt in that chair. Right? And it took 64 years for the government to figure out what the Bible told us 2,000 years ago in Acts chapter 17, verse 26 to 27. It says, and he made from how many bloods? One blood. Every nation of men who dwell on the face of the earth and has predetermined their pre-appointed times and the boundaries of their dwelling so that they should seek the Lord and hope that they might grope for him and find him though he's not far from any of us. All right, And so I want you to know that, that God chose you for now. God looked from eternity past and he looked at the future. He knows he can see all things, right? He can see the, the end from the beginning. He says, you know what? I'm going to put Colin in the year 2020. He's going to be there. Something's going to happen. I'm going to use him. He's made. He's designed for that moment. I'm going to use Chris, right? I'm going to use Rob. Whoever it is, he says, I'm going to. He picked you for this time because my wife and I were a little discouraged. We were looking at all these new bills coming out and legislation uh, that's coming in that is just really not good. We found out today, I found out yesterday, we just sold our rental property. And 10 years ago, you had to pay 25% capital gains tax, okay? Uh, and then it went up to 50% capital gains. And as of January, it goes up to 75%. And we just sold it. And I said, oh. I just saved myself a ton of money, right? And I didn't even know until my cousin told me that. I was like, man, really? And now they're pushing through, they're trying to get legislation put through so that they can um, charge capital gains on your personal residence to make up for all the debt from COVID. I'm not saying it's going to go through, but when you follow all this, it's like, why isn't this on the mainstream media? Like, why aren't we seeing this? It's not there. But it's happening behind closed doors, all right? God knows. But God chose you. Look at your neighbor and say, God chose you for now. Right? And so we need to be encouraged. I said to my wife, I said, you know, let's get, let's get excited about this because, you know, we get to be the resistance against what the enemy's doing. Right? We get to resist the enemy's 
and talk about the word and encourage people. This is a, a, an exciting time to be alive. All right? But throughout history, God's purpose was always for people to seek for him. It says in verse 27, and so that they should seek the Lord in the hope that they might grope. Groping is like this, for him, to find him, though he's not far from each of us. Now, during the week in my house, I, go to, I'm, I get up early, maybe 5.36, and I like to pray, and then sometimes I fall back asleep, but I'm up early. My wife goes to bed a little later. She goes to bed at like 1, one in the morning. I don't know how she does it. But to yeah, midnight. But the point is, I'm already half asleep. It's the middle of the night, and she comes in. I don't know if anyone has ever experienced this, and I'm fast asleep, dreaming away. And all of a sudden, flick, the lights on. Hey, how's it going? I'm like, I'm sleeping here. You know, and she comes in, and how come you didn't do the dishes? I'm like, uh, that was, it's the middle of the night, honey, you know. And uh, so I figured out what I'll, I have this strategy. So I live in an older home. And as you know, some, we don't have lights on the ceiling. So they designed it. If you hit the light switch, if you have a lamp plugged in, the light comes on. How many know? So I said, I'll just unplug all the lamps. So I unplug the lamps. And then I hear my wife come in and I'm like, click, 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 click. And she's, oh, man. And then I can hear her groping all the way to the bed. Oh, boom. She hits her leg on something. Who put that there? So where's the bed? I can't see. And then she gets around. And then I hear her flicking the lamp by her bed. Click, 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 click. And then I move to the couch. Because she's really mad at that point. But she's groping, man. She's looking. She's, she's looking for the sun. I got to find the light switch. And the Bible says this is what's happening in history. Is people are going through life, and they're looking for the light switch. They're looking for the light. They're groping. They're, they're just going through life, right? And how many, many of us were there at one point? We're groping, and we found Jesus, right? The light of this world. In Matthew chapter 5, verse 14 to 15, you know, we always say Jesus is the light of the world, and Jesus throws it back at us. He says here, and of course it's because he's in us, but he says, you are the light of the world. He says, like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden, no one lights a lamp and puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house, right? And we understand what light is. Light brings illumination. You know, darkness is only the absence of light, right? Light, light is very important, okay? But I think the darkness we see today in the world is because the church covered their light, got complacent. You know, evangelist Bill Prankard was interviewing a, a lady. Uh, she was up in her years. I think she was up in the 90s or whatever. But she said, back in the 50s, I was a, an actress. And she said, uh, back in the 50s, we could never get away with the smut that's in the movies today. She used the word smut, so you can tell, you know, how old she But she said, we couldn't get away with the stuff that, and, and, and Bill said, what do you mean you couldn't get away? He said, she said, the church would never have allowed it. They would have protested. They would never allow us to have nudity in, in movies. They'd never allow us to swear that way. And what happened? The church is just kind of, we've taken a back seat, and we don't stand up, and we don't voice right from wrong anymore, right? And so Jesus says we're the light of the world. And, and then in Matthew chapter 5, verse 16, he tells us what the light is. He says, in the same way, let your good deeds, say good deeds, shine out for all to see. And so we think of, we think of light, we think of like theology. We've got to tell people about the right things, and, and that's part of it. But Jesus is saying, your good deeds... That's the light. 
So when we, when we serve our community and we do Catherine's Kitchen, we feed people, that, that's, that's a good deed. That's something we're doing in our community. Amen? And, and we've had people come and say, you guys are doing, you know, we see the love of God because you're serving people in the community, right? It's going to your neighbor and shoveling their driveway and saying, hey, you know, encourage, hey, God loves you, and, you know, I, I'm there if you need any help. Just doing something for God is a, is a good deed, and it's light for people. Amen? Now, when we do good deeds, people praise our Father in heaven. You know, a few weeks ago, I spoke about working on purpose, right? Like, we need to work on purpose. And how being productive creates a sense of nourishment to the soul. When you go and you accomplish something really good and you build something, you feel good about yourself, right? Or you, you finish something at work, at project. You just go home and you just feel emotionally satisfied. You know, I did a great job. And you, you just feel energized. How many know what I'm talking about? And Jesus said, my, my, my food, my nourishment is to do the will of him who sent me. We can't just be a church that, you know, sits on our blessed assurance. Not that you guys are. I'm just saying we can't just sit around the church. We've got to do something. Right? We've got to do something. You know, uh... Youth for Christ, which is now, what's the new name now? Business name, Youth Unlimited. Um, there, there was a massive fight at the um, school my son goes to. It doesn't matter which one it is, but he goes to school. And this big fight breaks out. And, you know, Youth Unlimited worker just came in there with a box of donuts, uh, Timbits. And uh, just came into the middle of the fight. Hey, who wants Timbits? And he just totally broke up the whole focus of, yeah, Timbits. Yeah, let's stop fighting any Timbits. But, you know, he's there. He's engaged in the world. He's in, in the midst of the storm to be a light and to do something good in the community. And that's a, gone through the school, right? And, and, you know, it's just an interesting thing to see that, you know, when we're in the right place, God will give us stuff to do. And people will go, wow, God the Father must be with you right? So we're created to be visionaries. We're created to be dreamers. We're, we, we need to dream about our purpose as a church and as God's people. And in Habakkuk chapter 2, it says this, very important. Then the Lord answered and said to me, write the vision, make it plain on tablets, that he who runs may run who reads it. See, God never intended us to work alone. He always intended us to build with other people in relationship. This is an exciting time to be alive. We get to be the resistance against the enemy's agenda. We get to stand up and, and see God's glory because in the midst of darkness, there's always revival that happens. You say, well, pastor, like there's less people here today. Well, some people have the cold. And we had on Thursday night, our new service, we had like 35 people. So we're, we're making room for more growth. God is moving. Amen. And the most important thing, okay, to take away from this message is this. Number one, our hearts need to focus on the joy of knowing Him. Because that's what will get you through persecution. That's what's going to get you through trials. Focusing on the joy of The second thing, know that you're an important part of God's plan. Okay? So... I wanted to do just a, a little experiment here. Um, I'm going to get Peter, if you he can help me with this. 
I have a little puzzle here, and uh, Pastor Peter is going to give out some little puzzle pieces to this side of the church. And I'm going to get Camilla to hand out a puzzle to this side of the church. And we're going to have a little competition, okay? Yeah, sure. So in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, you know, the writer of Corinthians, Paul says, For as a body is one member, is one and has many members, but all the members of that body being many are one body, so also is Christ. And so we are the body of Christ, and every single one of us is a different part. You might be a finger, might be an arm, you might be a a leg. Maybe you're a belly button, who knows? But every one of us has a purpose. We all have a plan in the body of Christ. And not only in the body of Christ, but in your family. So, for example, if you have a, a mother and father, uh, the mother and father is the spiritual authority over the children. So God gives a vision or a picture of what the family needs to look like. Then every child in that family, every member of that family is like a puzzle piece. And when we come together and work under the vision of the leader, we put together a beautiful picture. It's the same way with the local church. Right? Right? And, and so what I want to do is take a few minutes to have a little competition. And so I need to know who wants to be the leader on this side. Have to be the person who's going to look at the picture. Who wants to be the leader? Colin, you want to be the leader? You want, okay. You guys decide who wants to be the leader. Who wants to be the leader on this side? Okay. Who's, who's the leader? You're gonna, Josiah? Okay, Josiah will be the leader on this side. So before you guys come up, I'm gonna, because we're going to be in really close proximity, if everyone could just kind of put your shield or your mask on because we're going to be close, you're going to be working together. So you're, one team is here, this team, and then one team is here. Now the person showing the image, you can show it to the team. You don't hide it from them. Just show them, work with them. And we're going to have you guys come up now. And when I say go, you're going to have a little bit of a race now because we've got to be competitive in the house of God. Amen? So come on. We'll bring this team up here. If you don't want to come up, give your piece to somebody beside you. I don't care. No problem. Okay, and when I say go, so remember, everybody can see the picture, okay? Yeah, yeah, they can show it. Yeah, we can show it. Yeah, yeah, that's fine. Okay, and everyone can work as a team. On your mark, get set, go. Done. You guys are okay. Good. You guys done? Good. Well, the last two services, this side won, so now it was time for. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you guys finish that while I finish off my sermon here. That's good. Listen as you work. Okay, so the point is with these um, little puzzle things, one of these guys is a little, he's got a telescope, right? He's looking out. So this would represent, if we're talking about a church, maybe a church that really goes into talking about the end times and what's coming, that kind of thing. This guy here is a, a picture of a warrior. He's a fighter. We're going to fight the enemy. We're going to do warfare. We're going to get breakthrough. That's kind of represents who we are as a church a little more. But the thing is, every, every, how many know the tribes of Israel? There was 12 tribes, and each tribe had a different mission, had a different mandate. 
And God began to show me this a few years back and that, you know, there's so many great local churches, but every church might look a little different. If you take a diamond, right, and, and you turn it, and the light will reflect off different faucets of that diamond, but it's still a beautiful image of Christ. Amen? And so just that different churches have a different, a different mission or have a different picture to show the world, it's still Jesus. Amen? And so we have to find our puzzle piece and fit it into the picture that God's called us to. Now, you know, people have come to me in the past and said, you know, Pastor, I just really don't feel like I fit in here. I'm going to go to another church. I'm like, you, you sure you're not bitter or upset with me or anybody? No, 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 no. We just really feel we don't fit in here. And I'm like, well, that's great. I, we release you. And they're like, you're not mad? No, because you need to find your puzzle because you're a puzzle piece for that puzzle. Does that make sense? And so when we think of the body of Christ as many, many, you know, small local bodies making up one big body, we can work together to show the world different faucets of Jesus, different angles of Jesus. And so I wanted to encourage you with that. Another thing is Pastor Peter has this test here. Did you want to just... Uh... No, this is not not for you to do now. You're like, no, 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 I'm not doing that again. Did you guys finish, by the way? Beautiful. Awesome. Good job. So this is, this is a spiritual gifts questionnaire that you can answer, right? So there'll be like a question here. Um, I like organizing services and events, okay? So then you would go to um, the first one here, and then you would put almost never, sometimes, you know, frequently or almost never or whatever. And you put that number there, and you fill it out. And if you do the whole thing, it'll tell you where your passion is and where your spiritual gifts are. Are you, are you have apostleship in your life? Do you have administration? Do you have discernment? Do you have evangelism on your life? Do you have exhortation and healing or helps or hospitality? And it goes on and on and on. Intercession. So if you guys want something to do for your own, you can take this home with you. You know, Pastor Peter will hand them out if anyone wants one. Um, because it's good to know what you're called to. Amen? And you're always called to what you're passionate about. Uh, many times. So if anybody wants those, you can grab one after the service. Why don't we stand together? Hallelujah. Father, we thank you, Lord, that we get to be your people, Lord. Father, we get to be your children. We get to live in this time, and we remember today that our hearts need to be focused on the joy of knowing you more than anything. We just want to know you, God. We want to have a relationship with you. And secondly, we want to know God, that we're an important part of God's plan. And Father, that each and every one of us represent a puzzle piece, and we need to be connected because we fill that spot somewhere. And Lord, I pray that that picture will be made known to the world, the picture of Jesus through our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening. We hope that you enjoyed our message. If you are in the Quinty West area, we would love to have you visit us on Sunday morning. 24 Dundas Street West, Trenton, Ontario. Check out our service times on our website at atthecrossroads.ca.